Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. First and foremost, what agents and publishers will be looking for is you out in the world doing what you do, teaching what you write about, supporting people through story if that's what you want to do. Do you have a membership? Do you have a coaching community? Do you have a blog? Carries a lot of weight for all the listeners of this show. What are you doing out in the world to build community? Because agents and publishers know the very first people to buy your book will be the community that you've already collected, the people that are already turning to you for support. So how do we begin building that? And through that community, we can get much more clear on what we want to write about and how we can serve in a bigger and better way. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres, award-winning Latina personal finance expert. I didn't always have my financial shit together, but when I started looking for POC-friendly personal finance podcasts, I couldn't find any. And so Yo Quiero Dinero was born. On this show, I'll show you how to make dinero, how to keep your dinero, and most importantly, how to make it grow. Each week, I'm connecting you with the most brilliant minds in the world of money and business, so you can learn about investing, entrepreneurship, and building wealth. The best part? I'm dishing up all this knowledge with a sassy side of sazón. So if you're ready to be poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Let's dive in. Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to remind you to follow us on social. If you're loving this podcast and you want more community, you want to find out more about our events and all the stuff that we have going on behind the scenes, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, 
and everywhere else you love to hang out on the internet. If you're loving this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple. It's the easiest way to share our podcast with people that you know and love, and it helps us get discovered by amazing listeners like you. So take a moment, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and make sure to check out our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list and you'll never miss an episode. Plus, you get exclusive invitations to our live events, special discounts for our digital courses, and as always, our best personal finance tips and advice to help you be poderosa with your dinero. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the episode. Rochelle, welcome to the podcast. I am so freaking excited to have you here. I'm going to let you introduce yourself and then I'll tell folks how we have had the pleasure of knowing each other. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. My name's Rochelle Fredson. I am a book proposal coach and consultant. I've been in the publishing industry for just shy of 20 years. I started my career in-house within a publisher doing everything from PR and marketing to building author brands and acquisitions, buying books, meeting with agents. I wore many, many hats. And what I love to do now is really take people who have a book in their brain, in their heart, maybe they want to impact their business or get their story out into the world and help them create the right book idea for them and create a book proposal that agents and publishers can't wait to grab onto. I love it. And so if y'all haven't figured this out by now, Rochelle was my book proposal coach. And so when I was first thinking about this process, I knew from the get that I needed the accountability because when I would think about kind of DIYing my way through this process, I am self-aware enough to know there's no fucking way that's actually going to happen. Okay. And so when I started thinking about like what kind of support I wanted, I was introduced to you by Farnoosh Tarabi. I believe she had you on the podcast or you had her on your podcast. It was one of those two. Yes. And I helped her with her proposal. Absolutely. So I said, if Farnoosh trusts this woman, then I mean, that is all of the endorsement that I needed. And then when we actually met, I was like, yes, this is my person. This is who's going to take me to the finish line. And so we started working together in the beginning of January, 2022. And I believe it was four months to the day that from when we first started working together, I had a book deal. Mm-hmm. You may be my my greatest success story, like the <laughs> fastest from idea to deal. I mean, it was magnificent. Oh my gosh. The whole process was incredible. And I feel like I'm learning so much even still now being in the book writing process. But I feel like for our community, the idea first off of writing a book is just like, well, we don't do shit like that. That's like for white people. I definitely want to like dive into why that's complete bullshit. And I would love to just get your insight as someone who helps people essentially create a physical representation of the stories that we've collected over our lifetimes. So let's start off with. How does one know when one is ready for a book? Okay, because I think a lot of us can, you know, admit to ourselves, you know, that would be cool to do. But how do we know maybe like mentally and also like your journey, like that you've reached the place where it makes sense to really start thinking about this? 
Yeah. There's this old adage that says that you should wait seven years from the point of what you want to write about, right? So a lot of people come to book writing and they say, I want to write about this trauma or this experience I've recently had or something I've overcome. But there isn't yet enough distance to understand why other people should care. Because that's the trick about books, right? They're about us, but they're for other people. So the key is in providing enough distance and enough experience for your book to be really grounded in something, you know, hefty. And my answer to this question really depends on whether someone wants to write something that's memoir or personal essay or something that wants to enhance their business, right? A book about like what you're doing. You're giving advice. You're supporting people through something. That requires some proven track record. You have to be out in the world doing the thing if you want to write about it and impact others. So some people get to a place and they go, I think I'm ready, right? I have some some feedback. I've been doing this long enough. I want to share my story. I want to share my expertise. I want to share my framework, whatever it is. And I have no idea where to start. Yep. That was definitely me. I'm like, I know I have something to say, but the whole world, I think of book writing and book publishing is very much like a behind the scenes inner circle space where I feel like if you don't know somebody who's directly involved, like you have no idea a who the movers and shakers are, but also like, what are the questions that I should be asking? Who can I ask these questions to? And also what should I be doing as an aspiring author? So let's talk about that. Like as an aspiring author, what are things that you should be thinking about before you even get to the place of starting to write a proposal? Yeah, this is a great question. And you're 100% right. I think people, there's this element of like behind the velvet rope for book publishing. And it's an industry that lacks transparency, which is the whole reason why I started my own podcast. I'm like, this doesn't need to be this hard. We just need to talk about the requirements so that people can prepare and plan and do all the things they need to do. So first and foremost, what agents and publishers will be looking for is you out in the world doing what you do teaching what you write about, supporting people through story if that's what you want to do. Do you have a membership? Do you have a coaching community? Do you have a blog? Carries a lot of weight for all the listeners of this show. What are you doing out in the world to build community? Because agents and publishers know the very first people to buy your book will be the community that you've already collected, the people that are already turning to you for support. So how do we begin building that? And through that community, we can get much more clear on what we want to write about and how we can serve in a bigger and better way. So that sort of grassroots, getting into the community, teaching, showing up, writing, doing speaking events, borrowing audiences, getting on Instagram Live, all those things carry a lot of weight for when you want to sell your book, but they provide incredible intel as you're curating it. You know, I'm so glad that you mentioned the aspect of building your platform and building your community because I don't think that was something that I realized was so valuable in this process. I think there's a lot of people who think I'm going to write the book and then I'll become famous because of the book versus like building the community, building your authority in the space and then showing up with this resource, which is what you would recommend, correct? A hundred percent. A publisher and a book deal is not going to make you famous. And I think that this is another thing is I think people think, oh my gosh, I got the book deal. I sold the book. Ooh, I can relax now. My publisher is going to take over and do all the work. And oh, wow. Do you have another thing coming, right? 
you will own 70 to 80% of your marketing and promotion. And the publisher will support you with the other 20%, which means all the time you're spending on this front end to build community and create your blog, create your podcast, whatever you want to do is going to really serve you in the end when you have to sell the book. It's all connected. Great to know. All right. So if you could take us through kind of the high level framework of what it looks like from you know, first having that idea to writing a proposal to finally getting that book deal, what does that process typically look like? Yeah, I think often people come to the table with more than one book idea, which is a, is a classic first-time author thing. So the first process is really whittling down and saying, what is the mission of this book? What's the impact I want to make with my book? And how do I not overcomplicate it? How do I not overwhelm a reader? So the first step is getting to a book idea that will serve your audience and not overwhelm them. Then we step into the strategy of the book proposal. And that's really building out the bones of the book, looking at what the outline and the framework will look like. You're working on your sales pitch for the book. You're looking at who your ideal reader is. What pain points are you solving? So I look at it like a pyramid. If we're looking at an inverted pyramid with the biggest piece on the, on the top, it's what's the problem that you're solving? If you drop down again, it's what's the solution or the promise that you're offering them? And the third is why you? Why are you the one to write this book? Why are you the one to teach it? And why do you want to create this impact? Once you can answer those three questions, navigating the book proposal becomes much easier because you know exactly how to pitch each section. And the book proposal is your key to entry. It's a step that can't be skipped. It's the only thing that agents and publishers will read to acquire your book. So it becomes this 60 to 70 page document that's your business pitch and your vision and your structure for the book. Okay. So once you have your proposal put together, what does the process look like from there? How do you shop it around? How do you find agents? Like, What does that whole process look like? Yeah, there's a few ways to find an agent. And first and foremost, you need an agent in today's market. So there are very few publishers that take direct submissions. And part of that is because when you work with an agent, somebody has already vouched for it. They've already said, this is good. This this has legs in the industry. And also it's protection for you to have an agent so that you can move through the process and be legally sound. But the best way to find agents, there's a few stealthy ways. The first is to look into the back of the acknowledgement section of your favorite books or books in your genre because everyone thinks they're agent. And sometimes they thank me. But you'll see agent names in there. You'll see publishers. You'll see editors, right? So you can get a feel for who's representing your types of material. You can also go to places like Twitter or Instagram. Publishers are often thanking agents. Authors are thanking agents all the time. There's a website called Publishers Marketplace, which is a great resource to search for agents in your genre. So what you want to do is you want to find aligned partners. That's a big part of the process. I firmly believe that if you do your homework, you will find the right agent for you because you want to make sure you're submitting to people that love the material you're about to present. So do your homework and submit your proposal to agents that represent your material. Love it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero. Okay, so what does that typically look like from a cost perspective? Like, are we paying agents up front? Are they collecting a fee percentage? What does that look like? Because I know there's a lot of scams out here in all types of industries. And I've seen, you know, folks paying for press. And I'm sure there's scams around the book agent situation, too. This gives me hives. Yeah, never, ever pay an agent up front. You don't have to pay an agent anything. An agent will take a percentage of what the publisher pays you. So you don't have to pay that agent directly for anything. But when you have a book deal, an agent will take 15% of your book deal and a percentage of your royalties as those come in. But you should never pay an agent up front. That is definitely scammy. Okay, perfect. All right, so... The book deal. Is there a sign that, you know, after speaking to like enough publishers that maybe this just isn't the right time or you haven't connected? Like when is it time to go back to the drawing board, would you say? It's such a personal question. And I think it's a timeline that you should identify for yourself before you begin, because there are so many routes of publishing, right? And everything we've talked about so far in this conversation has been for the traditional publishing deal. But the truth is many people, especially that I work with, come because they want the help doing the proposal and getting the idea right, but they really want to go hybrid publishing. Or they maybe even want to self-publish because maybe they want to hold on to their creative rights or they want a faster publishing timeline or they want a more nurturing experience, whatever it is. There's a reason and it's personal for each person on their publishing journey. I would say, you know, to account for about three to four months for most folks in getting the right agent, the right publisher, 
there's a process internally that the publishing industry is a little archaic in the way it operates internally. There's not a real speeding up of that process. So you have to account weeks, sometimes months to get the feedback you're hoping for. Some people can wait up to a year to get the right agent. So that's why it's important to decide for ourselves, you know, how long do we want to spend on that timeline before we look at other options that maybe can get our book out a little faster? Got it. Okay. So I'm here to connect the dots for everybody because I think, like you mentioned, there are different ways to publish a book. But I think some folks might have a perception where if you go the self-published route, you won't be necessarily taken as seriously as an author. And so they make the benchmark for success having the traditional book deal. Do you think that's a myth? Like, do you think you can achieve the same amount of success monetarily and even like from the authority standpoint with a self-published option versus a traditional? It depends on how we define success. So if someone comes to me and they say, I have a multi-million dollar business, I have hundreds of thousands in my community, I want to earn higher royalties, the advance doesn't matter much to me, I know I have all the vehicles and the lanes for selling this book, a lot of those folks are choosing hybrid because they can do it their way, they can have creative control, they're going to make more on royalties, but there's not the gravitas, certainly, of a traditional publishing deal, especially for first-time authors. It's kind of nice to go through that traditional process, learn about the industry, and get a little support. But there's this myth that when we go traditional publishing and we get the big publisher and we get the deal, that we don't need to take a lot of ownership. And like I mentioned on the marketing front, beyond marketing, there's a lot of investments that you have to make to publish a book, whether it be editorial or writing support, a coach like me on the book proposal front. There's a lot of hands that touch a book and create it and get it really profitable for you. So I think it's important to recognize that books are sort of a financial losing proposition until they're not, right? You're going to invest no matter which route of publishing you choose. If you go in knowing that and choose the right route that helps you earn back faster, that's the best strategic route to look at. So I think it just depends. Yeah. Let's talk about the advance, right? Because I think that's the thing that a lot of people get enamored with. It's like, oh my God, the six-figure book deal, blah, blah, blah. What is actually realistic for a first-time author? Like, Is there some way to set expectations of what you should be okay with accepting? Yeah, this is like the unicorn conversation. It's really hard to pin down. A few factors come into play. First and foremost, platform. The authors getting the most significant deals have significant platforms or significant businesses where they can move the book through a course or a group program and create an upsell, downsell, whatever it is. So a lot of the big deals are for people that have a lot of that visibility. But I have seen first-time authors with less than 5,000 followers across all their social media get significant six-figure deals. So you just never know, but it is much harder if you don't have the platform, traditionally speaking, and if you don't have the business to back it up, especially when you're writing a book that teaches something that's in line with your business. You want to make sure that you have multiple streams of income in your business to help bolster those book sales. Yeah. And I would even argue like you want to have multiple streams of income in your business. So you actually have the space to write this book because the thing that I have seen witnessing other 
content creators who are in this process is like their income takes a huge hit because they don't necessarily have different ways of making money that don't rely on them actively showing up. And I did some upfront work before taking on this project to ensure that like my income was in a stable place that wouldn't make me have to be distracted to earn money and and focusing on this energy. So I would recommend think about ways you can supplement your income too, because this is going to take up a lot of your time. It's such a good point because some people will have to put their business on hold for at least six months or at least taper down the amount of services they're offering or private coaching that they're doing, whatever the the picture looks like. I've seen people say, I actually have to look at my whole life holistically. How will writing this book fit into the family planning I'm doing or the trips that I want to take or whatever it is that they have coming up on the calendar? There is adjusting that has to be done, but the financial adjustment is a big one that we don't talk about enough because a lot of people do. They have to pull back on their business to get the book done. But then the business booms when the book comes out. The book is a really great low cost entry point into the work that you do. So if you want to grow your coaching programs or you want to get more clients or on more stages or more PR opportunities, a book is a great way to do that. So a lot of people will actually see the financial benefit come through sort of those outside opportunities as opposed to the sales they're making on the book. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about timelines. First for a traditionally published book, what does that timeline typically look like? From the moment you sign your deal, it's about 18 months to two years currently. So another way to decide what the best pathway of publishing is for you is how long do I want to wait until this book hits the shelves? So about 18 months to two years, if you back that up even further, factoring in the agents and the proposal process and all of that discovery work, you know, I would plan on about two and a half years realistically. Then for hybrid publishing, which is you're not earning in advance, but you are paying to have your book published, but with publishers that have distribution, they're going to help get you in the stores you want to be in, all of those things. They're full service. You're looking at 12 to 18. So they're able to shave off a little bit of that timeline. And frankly, the better your book proposal is, the faster your book will come out. I've seen people shave at least three months off their writing process because their book proposal was so solid. Mm -hmm. And then self-published. I mean, how quickly can that happen potentially? I mean, I've seen it happen in a week. It just depends depends on what you're putting together. Is it 20 pages? Is it 300 pages? I think that to successfully do a self-published book, you have to hire support. You need the right editor to vouch that the material is good, that it makes sense. You want a designer to help the pages look nice and your cover to be competitive. So it's not as simple as just throwing it up on Amazon. You want it to be the best representation of you and your work, which means investing in people to make it really successful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I keep hearing the word investment, y'all. And like literally, I mean, if you take nothing away from this conversation, just know that this is going to be an investment. But if it pans out the way that you want. It could be a monumental shift in cementing your place as an authority in this space that you're trying to occupy. Okay. So let's talk about your experience with the book industry in general and diversity. Do you feel like it's a better time today for a person of color to attempt to publish a book than maybe 10, 15 years ago? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the publishing industry is waking up rightfully so, both externally and internally in their processes. But I've been saying in my business for the last couple of years that my mission is to amplify the stories that need to be heard. And that should be the motto of everybody in the publishing industry, because we become better humans when we hear more diverse stories and more diverse experiences. So yes, publishers are definitely looking for more diverse voices, more diverse teaching, niche genres that maybe they wouldn't have looked at before. And it's really fun to watch the lists come out of the deals getting made because I'm, I'm over here cheering and, and 60% of my list is women of color. And I'm so proud of that. And I love it. I love watching the success happen. So I'm really happy that the industry is moving in a better direction. There's a long way to go. They're getting better. Yeah. No, it's incredible. And I, I'm obsessed with the fact that my editor is a Black woman, that she's the one who like really saw the vision from the beginning. And just knowing that there's people who really are committed to bringing our stories to life is so reassuring because I didn't necessarily expect that when I was starting off this process. I felt like I could have potentially been walking into a situation where I have to justify my worth and like convince people why I'm worthy of being in this space. And I would say to any aspiring author who's in those conversations, like if you feel like that, that's a fucking red flag. And those are not your people. Like the people who agree to talk to you should not make you feel like you need to justify why you want to be here. Yeah, it's interesting because I say this a lot. The best deals don't come down to the money. They come down to the relationships, right? You want to partner with somebody that absolutely sees your vision and shares it and wants to champion it. And so that's the most successful partnership to me. I've seen plenty of authors take the biggest deal offered to them and be completely miserable because they didn't have the support and the the shared vision. So I think that's absolutely right. Is like, And the better your book proposal is, the more aligned that partnership can be because you get to bring your whole self to that document and let people see you the whole you. So, Okay, let's talk about the internal struggles that we as aspiring authors can have. I know you deal a lot with, you know, kind of helping your clients battle the mindset shit that comes up from this whole process. It can, I know for me speaking, it felt like, who the fuck am I to be writing a book? Okay. (laughs) And I know that's just one of many internal conflicts that you help your clients navigate. What are some of the biggest recurring themes that you would say that you experience as a coach for aspiring writers? Yeah, definitely overwhelm, vulnerability, and comparison. And I preach these three lessons all the time. And I will say that the, the why the fuck me, I did a whole podcast episode on this because of the fact that when we look at that hierarchy, I talked about the problem, solution, why you, when people get to why you, it is so deeply triggering because they go, oh my, why me? Yeah, why me? Right? Why am I like, and they start to like go off the rails. And so we actually did a whole episode with a therapist about that sense of self that you need to be a powerful author. But the overwhelm comparison and vulnerability, it's the overwhelm is like, where do I begin? I want to write a book. Who do I have to talk to? How do I get it done? What's the process? Where do I need to invest? The vulnerability is like, oh God, I've said yes to this thing. Now I actually have to show up. I have to share myself with the world. I have to be an open book, no pun intended. And then comparison is looking around and going, oh shit, there are so many other people already doing this. Like there's no space for me or so-and-so with a bigger platform already wrote about this. Or it's like talking ourselves out of it by looking at what everyone else is doing. And to all of that, I say, you're right on time because every author experiences it. 
I love that. And that's so reassuring. You know, I always tell my students because, you know, whether you're talking about blogging or podcasting or writing a book, there's always this perception that like the niche is oversaturated. And I always tell people like, can you just go to like your local supermarket bread aisle and see how many fucking brands of bread there are and like how many versions of anything in life there are. Your people are your people. You're not going to have to convince them to follow you. You're not going to have to convince them to believe in you. You're not going to have to convince them to support you. Just stay in your lane, y'all, because we are not really in competition with anybody except, you know, yesterday's version of ourselves. And I think it's important to remember that in this process. A hundred percent. And it really, I use the same example. I used meditation books, right? How many meditation books are, are filling the shelves? But the truth is it's you that makes a difference. It's the way you talk about it, the way you teach it, your experiences. I say it's lived and learned experience. Learned is like credentials or anything that you've gone through professionally that you want to talk about. But lived experience is just being human. And that's really how most people connect to books is through story and the tone, who the person is. And And so that's really what makes books different. And again, like back to the book proposal, that's why people hear me shout so often through the Zoom screen, like, how would you say it? Stop saying it like everybody else would say it. How would you say it to your community, to your friends? That's how we want to say it here, because that's what will get you the book deal. Because nothing's new anymore, unless you're talking about, you know, tech (laughs) or science research or something like that. NFTs, I don't know, I'm still learning. So we have to bring ourselves to the work and that permission to do that is really what will set you apart from everybody else. Yeah. And I think there's even an additional layer as a person of color who's pursuing this, because I think a lot of the times we're kind of programmed or conditioned to have to show up as a version of ourselves, to show up as a corporate, palatable, code-switched, whitewashed version. And we don't need any more of that shit in the author space, right? Like there's enough personal finance books that are written by white dudes. Like you don't need to sound like a white guy in your proposal if you are like a person of color or a woman or anybody who's marginalized. So I think for me, it's been a huge unlearning of like, I need to quote unquote, be professional to be in this space. So my proposal was full of F-bombs the same way that my podcast is. It was full of my sass. It was with Spanglish. I mean, because like, who the fuck am I going to be in my book if it's not me? Your chapter titles are maybe the most entertaining (laughs) ones I've ever read in my life. And I agree with you because I was thinking the word professional. You took the words right out of my mouth because when I think about the evolution of my business and what I've learned in the last couple of years, it's that I have had to break up with the word professional because what that has been ingrained in me to be is something that I'm not. And when I get to operate in my business fully as I am quirky as hell, I attract the right clients for me and we reach a lot of success. But it's like, it's the same thing with the book proposal. People look at it and go, oh my God, it's 70 pages that I have to like sell myself and validate and show my vision. And they have to love me based on the the words on this page. They become mechanical. And it's like, it's like reading a robot. So what you have to do is just, you could dictate it right onto the page, quite frankly. But like, how would you say it? F-bombs, hashtags, whatever it is, like, please be yourself because it really is. As someone who has read thousands of proposals and bought many, many books, it's a differentiator. You've got to be yourself. Mm-hmm. All right. So for the aspiring author who's listening to this and is like, oh, shit, okay, I'm ready What's one thing that you would advise them to do today to 
start making this process happen? I would say go sniff out your competition. And I'm going to put competition in air quotes because I don't believe in that. But what I want you to do is we're going to be a little stealthy. I want you to go onto Amazon or whatever your bookseller of choice is and put in the search terms for what your future book might entail. So think of a couple words that people might search to find your future book and see what comes up in your category. And I want you to read a couple of both the good reviews and the negative reviews. And we're not trying to be snarky here, but there's a lot of truth in negative reviews. And you're going to discount the ones that are like, I didn't like this lady or whatever it was, or the page was crooked. You really want to look at themes. And what this does for us is helps show us that there's space for our stories and our teachings, because maybe what you stumble across is someone saying, oh, this was so motivational, but then I didn't know what to do. I didn't have any tactical tools. And you say, oh, I have the tactical tools. I want to write that way. And it helps like light our fire around what's missing in the market that we can actually provide. So that's my that's one of the first steps I give my students because it helps them like look under the hood of what's going on in the marketplace and figuring out how we fit in. Yeah. I know it was very enlightening and eye-opening for me when I was doing the marketing proposal of the book and I was looking at comparables. So I was searching personal finance for Latinas and me, I came up. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Am I my own competition in this space? Because the shit doesn't exist. But it's honestly like, it's still such a novel concept for there to be a woman of color, a Latina person from the queer community, like talking about this stuff that you may not find a lot of comparison to do. And so I think more than anything, that for me reaffirmed how important it is for me to show up in this space so that we can start to build these alternative narratives and these alternative resources that folks can really see themselves represented in. Yeah. I remember last year working with a client who is a woman of color, an adoptee coach, and she was writing about her own experience being adopted and how she coaches adult adoptees now. And our biggest challenge was proving that the adoptee market was big enough, that there were enough people to serve. And she goes, I know there are because I'm hearing from them constantly. And so we really had to tackle the percentages of increase of adoptions year over year, the growth of international adoptees and what it means to have these sort of blended families. And how do we really support folks? How do we support parents that have adopted children? How do we support those children? How do we support social workers? So we did have to paint the picture and say, there is space for this conversation. And you know what? She got her deal. But it did take looking at the market and saying, this is so needed and here's why. Yeah, I love it. Rochelle, I know so many people are going to want to find out more about you and how you can support your clients in this process. So tell us what you do, how folks can work with you, what are your different services and where folks can find you. Thank you. Yes, of course, Bound and Determined is the podcast. It's a really great free resource. I teach on there every week. I interview industry experts and lots of education happening there. A lot of laughs too. So check that out. And then I also have a course called the Book Proposal Blueprint, which is a 10-week program of walking you through developing the right marketable book idea for you, how to do all this prep foundational work, We walk through each section of the book proposal all the way through how to find your agent and platform coaching, 
how to prep our platform for publishers and for agents. That is a program you can get on the wait list now. It's just rochellefredson.com forward slash blueprint. It reopens again in January, but it really is an all-inclusive program. We've got office hours because I like to get my fingers in everyone's business. You can't keep me from live coaching people. I love it. And then I also do private coaching. So if you have a business that you've been running for a few years, you've got the community built, you've got the platform brewing, that option is also available. I love it. And I will sing your praises from the mountaintops because it's important for us to like be humble enough to realize where we just shouldn't DIY and where we have met our capacity for doing this on our own. And I know I can speak for myself and I'm sure many of your clients when I say that the amount of support that we receive from you, the reassurance, the talking off the cliff, the actionable steps, the accountability is why you have such an amazing track record. I always tell folks, if you really want to accomplish some shit, hire somebody to hold you accountable, right? It's like the difference between signing up for like a $10 membership at the gym and hoping that you show up versus like investing in a personal trainer who's going to be like, bitch, what happened to those four day workouts a week that we said we were going to do? What happened to these goals, right? And so I think it's just important for us if we really want to accomplish amazing things, like put some skin in the game, know your limits, get the support that you need because it makes a big difference. And I know damn well, I would not be in a position right now where I have a freaking book deal if I didn't work with somebody as incredible as you. So thank you for what you do. And especially thank you for committing to increasing the diversity in this space, because it's so important that we continue to see ourselves represented in these worlds where we just haven't seen ourselves in the past. I agree completely. Thank you so much. And and to your point, it's hard to do things alone. I think that writing in itself can be so isolating and it doesn't have to be done that way. So I agree. Get some support, have someone for accountability, have someone that knows the industry to guide you through it. So you don't spin your wheels for years and years. If you have a book, you can do it. If you have a book in your heart, let's make it a book in reality. I'm going to put that on a bumper sticker. Oh my gosh. Yes. We need that on a t-shirt, bumper sticker, all the things. <laughs> and I cannot wait to have you in my acknowledgement section of my book. I'm so, so in awe and so thankful for you. Thank you for what you do. Too kind. I'm so excited for you. <laughs> Thank you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you are ready to take your dinero to the next level, Sign up for our free 14-page guide, The Financially Lit Latina, the ultimate blueprint for becoming poderosa with your dinero. This 14-page guide includes our best tips on money mindset, budgeting, debt repayment, career, investing, financial independence, side hustles, and more. And you can get it completely free. So to get your copy of The Financially Lit Latina, just head over to YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start. That's YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start. 
and start transforming your dinero story today. Until next time, stay empowered, stay inspired, and stay poderosa. On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated contents constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.